Hello and welcome to this week's My News Wrap, news from the world of SAP, of Microsoft and the world in between. So let's dive into the topics of this week. Let's start with the business technology platform. There is one blog post that I would like to highlight um, that focuses on the Cloud Foundry event mesh. And to be more precise about how to share event mesh instances across several um, Cloud Foundry spaces and even um, sub-accounts. So as you, as you know, when you have been working with um, the, the Cloud Foundry runtime, it's not optimal from a, from a developer's perspective on how you can bring things together because this stuff is quite isolated and maybe you want to share, for example, one event mesh instance across several um, sub-accounts. This blog post now guides you through how to set up um, this, this requirement or how to fulfill this requirement um, by deploying event mesh to one sub-account and then accessing it from other sub-accounts or spaces. Um, the example references um, a Java app. So what do you have to do in order to bind your Java app? Um, or to be more specific, I think it's a Spring app um, to your um, event mesh that's deployed within one sub-account. I think quite helpful. Um, it's one of the best practices for SAP BDB. So um, if you're using event mesh, if you want to share the instance, then take a look at this blog post as this will guide you through how to set things up. Then um, I have another blog post um, touching the area of the cloud application programming model by uh, Tobias Steckenborn, who brought out um, several blog posts. And this is now the, the latest one around how to get started with the SAP cloud application programming model. And this one focuses on REST requests. There's also a short um, video uh, referenced. So um, if you start with um, SAP CAP, if you want to take a look at how you can call to the outside world making use of REST requests, then this blog post and the video might be quite helpful. However, as Tobias also states within the uh, later section in the blog post, it's a very um, basic walkthrough. So there is, for example, no authentication covered um, for the um, outbound call. So in reality, you will have to do a bit more in order to make things work. Then from the cloud application programming model to Kima, there is one update from the Kima team um, around eventing. So as you certainly no, or you might know um, the eventing within Kima is based on uh, the NUTS component. So all the built-in eventing infrastructure is using NUTS. Now you might want the SAP event mesh in order to do the eventing. And within the help.sap.com article that I referenced, you are now guided through how to switch from NUTS to the SAP event mesh. What do you have to do? And if you would like to switch back, um, that's also covered within this short overview on how to do eventing within Kima. So another nice addition to, to the Kima functionality. Um, great that uh, that's covered within the um, help.sap.com documentation. Then um, one last news from the area of um, SAP. 
in the uh, last podcast, I referenced the um, open source webinar about uh, Gardener, the project by SAP, open source project by SAP, in order to manage Kubernetes clusters across different infrastructures. And that took place this week. And in case you missed it, um, the slides as well as the recording is already available um, for replay. So um, if you missed it, I think that's definitely worth watching. With that, we will leave the SAP world and switch to the Microsoft world. There is um, one blog post that I would like to bring to your attention um, covering the Azure SDK, um, which is currently uh, available uh, in, in beta, so the Azure Function Extension Library which helps you with um, dealing with uh, uh, storage event hub, service bus, or event grid from out Azure functions, um, especially uh, setting up yeah, secretless systems, so really um, secure secretless systems. And um, well, this extension really helps you with that. And this blog post that I referenced guides you on a, on a real-life example based on an IoT scenario. Um, through how to use it and how to set up things. Um, it's taking or making use of the um, Azure Digital Twins and um, leverages the SDK together with Azure Functions in order to propagate data updates from Digital Twins. And this blog post really guides you through all the setups starting from the, um, from the Digital Twins, um, how to set up the event hub that um, fetches the data and then how to propagate um, the events to um, Azure Functions. So really, really interesting read. Highly recommend it. Then this week there was a Q&A or an interview um, of the uh, InfoQ with Jeff Holon, who is Director of Product Management of the Azure, um, of the Azure Application Platform at Microsoft. And um, you certainly know Jeff from um, Azure Functions or from, from Kida Talks at Coupon. And... Um, yeah, he had a little Q&A about what's the way forward with respect to the application platform and the um, Kubernetes space. So um, with tools like Azure Arc, you can now deploy um, several app services like EventGrid, like functions, like logic apps to Kubernetes. And uh, Jeff Holland laid out a bit um, the motivation of, of Microsoft, why they are doing it. Um, what has already been achieved and what's coming up. Um, so quite interesting read. And that also clearly shows the, the well strategic importance of this kind of yeah, containerized approach for Microsoft to deploy their app services like Azure Functions to a non-Azure environment. Staying within the Azure Functions um, area, there is one update um, of an open source tool that um, I would like to highlight, and that's the Durable Functions Monitor that I have also referenced in, in several um, podcast episodes before. There is one really cool update um, for the VS Code extension, which um, gives some improvement with, with respect to the... Um, visualization of your flow of your durable function execution. 
And that now has really the, the look and feel of App Insights. So that's that's really cool and super helpful if you have more, more complex orchestrations of uh, durable functions. So if you're working with durable functions, I highly recommend to take a look at this, this open source tool because this is really, really, really helpful. Um, and then to the new kit in the serverless ecosystem of um, Microsoft, namely Azure Static Web Apps, the hot shit out there. Um, there is another video um, on the Azure Friday uh, series about how to get started with Azure Static Web Apps. Um, well, it's with Scott Hanselman and it's with Anthony Cho. So what, what else do I have to say? Pure fun to watch. Um, what can go wrong with those two guys talking about one cool offering of Microsoft Azure. So definitely well spent 20 minutes. Now switching from the serverless world to the container world, what's new in the Kubernetes and container area? First of all, I would like to highlight a Kubernetes blog post about the release cadence of Kubernetes that has changed. Um, starting with the Kubernetes release 1.22. Um, there is a, a different speed on how um, Kubernetes gets um, brought out. Um, the blog post outlines the um, new cadence, <clears throat> what has to be expected, when will which release arrive. Um, it also um, highlights what does this mean for end users, what does this mean for contributors, and what was the, the rationale behind the decision of the the Kubernetes team um, to adopt this new um, cadence. So I think quite important if you're working with, with Kubernetes to, to have a bit of insight there. Then another blog post, uh, quite interesting, um, from let's say the, the CNCF lifecycle of, of projects, because this week um, uh, Linkit, the, the service mesh Linkit, was graduated from uh, incubation to a graduation uh, project. And this blog post kind of tells you a bit what happened and what does this mean and um, what does Linkert have on their, their plate in the future. So uh, also interesting read because I think that's really um, quite important to understand the, the different phases of the, the CNCF projects that are out there, like Sandbox, Incubation, and, and Graduation. What does this mean for the project itself? Then um, let's stay at the pure Kubernetes world. Um, there is one blog post by uh, Thorsten Hans that I uh, also want to mention, and that's uh, how to debug apps within Kubernetes, making use of Bridge, which is an, an um, extension for Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code that allows you to kind of um, debug your, your uh, Kubernetes app locally, making use of all the, the um, stuff that's available within a Kubernetes cluster. So you do not directly deploy your, your app, but um, for the app, it looks like it's deployed within the Kubernetes cluster. You simply, um, yeah. Um, use all the Kubernetes services and they get redirected to your local app. This blog post tells you um, how to do that, how to do the debugging, how to set up everything. And it also um, brings up some points with respect to uh, limitations that you face when um, 
you're using Bridge. So um, quite, quite interesting article. And then another announcement um, from, let's say, the, the bigger ecosystem of Kubernetes, namely Dapper. There is a new version of Dapper available now. It's 1.3 that came out uh, this week. And the release highlight is now that uh, gRPC proxying is um, enabled. So uh, one, one feature that was, I think, quite highly requested is now available um, with the new release. If you want to get more insights, what, uh, what's in there in the new release, what improvements have been made, and there are quite some, um, take a look at the blog post that I referenced within the show notes. And with that, I would like to switch to the area of DevOps and especially to GitHub. There is one um, overview blog post uh, that I like to highlight from, from GitHub last week. I had the uh, DevOps, uh, what, why, and how. And this week, I would like another blog post. I would like to highlight another blog post, uh, which is talking about uh, CI and CD. Again, same structure, the what, the why, and the how. Uh, giving you an overview, what is continuous delivery? What is continuous deployment? What are the benefits? What, what tools can you use? And well, of course, it's guiding you to GitHub. Uh, no surprise on that, but um, the, the general overview is quite well written. And then there has been a lot of um, improvements in the area of uh, GitHub, a lot of new features. Um, the first one that I would like to highlight is um, the actionable tasks that are now available within issues. So you can now break down an issue into several tasks. And um, that's not only possible on, on let's say, a one-dimensional level, but you can build up hierarchies. So you can um, uh, break down an issue into several tasks. And within one task, you can also reference another issue and break that then down again into other to-dos. And they are really linked. So if you close the issue that is referenced as a task within the um, um, original issue, then the, the task gets resolved within the issue. So that's, that's really cool. Um, it's a super short video uh, that I referenced um, for minutes, so definitely uh, worth watching. Super um, cool feature from my perspective. Then, um, well, a big announcement around uh, code scanning integrations um, with open source security tools within um, GitHub or within the, the GitHub security scan. So there are more than 15 um, new code scanning integrations available via GitHub Actions, and they are outlined within this blog post what's available now um, as, a, as an additional GitHub Action or what's also kind of complementing the built-in uh, security scanning capabilities of GitHub. And then there is another, um, I wouldn't say exotic, but um, I think not that often used feature, I would guess, that has been brought to, to GitHub. You can now also um, push a specific file to your GitHub repository that contains all the uh, citations, like scientific papers that you have within your, or that, that, that motivated your work within the, the um, GitHub project. And you can reference that from the, the GitHub repository. So you can really uh, point to the, the researchers and scientists or the work of them that you have used in order to make those things um, doable that you have done within your um, repo. 
Um, I think it's in a quite early stage, so there is APA support. Um, if, if I follow the, the uh, Twitter discussion on that feature, uh, BibTech, that you might probably know if you have been working somewhere in a, in a German university um, or in general in, the, in, the, uh, in universities, then um, this is not yet fully supported or not supported at all. That's not really clear um, out of the description. But this, I think, is something that needs to come because a lot of citations are in that format. So let's see how, how this will be used. Nevertheless, I, I wanted to highlight it. And then another, um, in the truest sense, uh, exotic topic, um, another Azure Friday episode that came out um, about quantum programming. Um, as you have probably seen in, in the last bigger events of Microsoft, they have now Azure Quantum in their portfolio. And they also have a dedicated uh, programming language uh, called uh, QShop in order to use um, these um, quantum computing capabilities. And this Azure Friday episode guides you through um, Azure Quantum as, as a hardware that you use and um, how you do quantum, quantum computing programming on top of that, making use of QShop. So if you're interested in that one or if you just want to take a look into that um, part of Microsoft Azure, then I think this Azure Friday episode is great. Then um, let's go in between the two worlds. Let's switch to the world in between SAP and Microsoft. There is one blog post by Bartosz Jakowski that I would like to mention. Um, I had already referenced the, the basic work about the Azure Synapse pipelines that he brought up. Um, the blog post within the SAP community, as well as the SAP on um, Azure podcast episode, where he was a, a guest speaker, where he showed what, what's behind the, the, the Azure Synapse pipelines. Um, and within this blog post, he kind of continues the, um, the elaboration, what's possible with the pipelines, what you can do. And this third part um, focuses on a metadata store, how to extract and store the metadata with those Synapse pipelines from the OData services that are available from um, your SAP systems. So um, yeah, to make the story move on and go on. And if you are interested in the Synapse pipelines, then take a look at the blog post. Then um, something that, that uh, can support you within the area of um, Azure Logic apps and connection to, to SAP um, RFC modules, there is now a a GitHub repo by David Borg on um, how to make use of or, or how to use advanced data types like Fluid Decimal and, and, and other ones within Azure Logic apps when calling SAP RFCs. There is a sample a GitHub repository now out there. So I think that's definitely worth a look at because that's always quite fun when you do Logic apps. And then um, also the um, blog post series of Martin Pankratz continues about the BTP private link service. So um, there are already now three parts out there. And I want to highlight the third part that, that came out this week, um, which is really cool. And that's that's what I especially like by the uh, about the blog post of, of Martin Pankratz is not just um, showcasing something that is then working in some laboratory environment and in real world you break your fingers in order to make things work because that's left out. 
This blog post now guides you to uh, real-world problems um, where you need answers when you want to use BTP private link with respect to your system setup. So the, the prior blog posts, which, which were perfectly fine because they, they were an introduction, focus on I have my SAP system, I have my private link service, and I have my, for example, CPI system sitting somewhere, and I want to connect them making use of private link. Now, uh, that's good for, for a basic understanding, but in reality, things are different. You have probably several SAP systems, um, BEF, prod, test, stage, whatsoever. And you might also have um, different um, CPI setups. You might have different structure, what, we, what, what I mentioned at the very beginning. You might have different sub-accounts, different spaces within your Cloud Foundry environment, and so on. Now, how do you bring those things together? Um, how do you do um, the, the private link service um, implementation when you have such a setup? And this blog post, third part, perfectly guides you through that um, scenarios. So, so there are highlighting of, of some scenarios, um, how to basically set that up, including topics like disaster recovery. Um, so really, really cool. And if you start with um, private link, with the usage of private link, I would highly, highly recommend to walk through those three blog posts and also to um, the uh, SAP and Azure podcast episode where um, this thing was introduced where also Martin is, is one of the guests. With that, um, I would like to switch to the area of um, learning and upcoming events. So this week only learning. Um, there is one webinar series that started this week on July the 27th, but I'm sure you can still sign up. And that's about Kubernetes clusters and how to run them like a pro, as the um, webinar is called. Um, if you are working with um, AKS, if you're working with Kubernetes, I think um, this webinar, especially if you start working with them, this webinar can give you quite some clues and help you to get uh, a quick start on this topic. And then another thing um, that was mentioned by one of the cloud solution architects of Microsoft based in Germany, Christian Denig. Um, who together with his colleagues updated the Azure Developer College and, well, brought it to the, the newest stuff uh, within the Azure and Microsoft ecosystem, namely Bicep, namely um, GitHub Actions and a lot of other new cool things. So they are currently reworking their, their training program and um, bringing in all those nice new cool features. Now, if you don't know the training program, it's anyway linked within the tweet that I have referenced, but I also have brought in within the show notes a dedicated reference to the Azure Developer College, which is completely available without any fees. So you can just access it and walk through a seven-day course on your own, which might be a bit harder than have the guidance of the Cloud Solution Architects about Azure Fundamentals, development, data AI, and so on, up to the topic of Kubernetes. So up to now, not, not everything I think is updated to the latest and greatest stuff, but um, that's that's going on, coming up. Um, so that's, that's really great to see. And with that, I have one more thing that I would like to mention with respect to news to this week. Um, 
with respect to developer productivity, in case you're using a Windows machine, in case you have not yet touched the Windows subsystem for Linux, um, because you think the installation is too cumbersome, maybe that's the case. Now you have no more excuses because um, there is a new way in order to install um, the WSL on your Windows machine. Um, those guys who have been um, on the Windows Insider preview builds, they already had that option and that was now downported to um, the GA Windows version starting with uh, 20.04. And now you can just install WSL by one command. It's WSL minus minus install. So that's really um, the shortest way how to install it and no more excuses not to use <coughs> WSL. With that, I'm at the end of today's session of my news wrap. I hope I had some news for you. Um, some service announcement for the upcoming two weeks. I will be on vacation, not next week, but the week after next week. Um, so maybe there won't be a video next week. There is certainly not be a video in the week after next week. So just watch out what I will be um, promoting on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. Probably next week it will just be a GitHub repo, but stay tuned. You will see what, what will come. Um, with that, I wish you a nice rest of the weekend. I wish you a successful nice next week and see you soon. Until then, bye.